Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Good evening and welcome to the Ex-Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I appreciate you spending some of your evening with us tonight. I'm happy to welcome Val Johnson, who's, when we mention courage, we appreciate him coming and sharing his story with us tonight. Welcome, Val. Thank you. Glad <laughs> to be here. Thank you for letting me come. Yeah, my, our pleasure. And uh, he has a wonderful story, and we'll, I'm sure, get into all of it, I hope, and get it all covered. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time as a Latter-day Saint. Uh, you were born in the church, were you? Yes, I was born, I was born LDS, uh, and in fact, I'm a, I'm a product of many generations yeah. in the church. Um, I'm a, a polygamist roots originally, <laughs> back before the days uh, of, of uh, President Snow removing that, yeah. and, and uh, so my, my grandmother was a uh, a daughter of a polygamous family. Wow. Here uh, in the Utah area? Salt Lake area? Or? Yeah, actually southern Utah, Orderville. Oh, down in, oh yeah. yeah. Been through there. Yeah. And so, yes, grew up very staunch LDS. I was, uh, I when I was in my youth years, I was at the Deacon's Quorum advisor, uh, Deacon's Quorum. Um, president? Not the president. I guess it's the one under that. And I, now counselor I Counselor. I was the counselor. I was the counselor. and in the teacher's quorum. I was the president in the teacher's quorum. Yeah. Uh, in the in the priests, they don't do it the same way because That's the right. bishop is the, the, president. Is the president. So you're an And assistant. so I was the counselor. Uh -huh. the assistant. Uh, I was the assistant yeah. uh, to the president, and I was the one that conducted all of the opening exercises for mutual. <laughs> and so I was very, very active. Looked forward to the day when I would be able to go, hope they call me on a mission, yeah. send me on a mission. Yeah. I understand your dad went on four missions. Yes, he, right? he did. He did. He went on several missions. He went on a mission to with, it, with his wife to Sweden originally. Yeah, uh, that was when he was single. Wow. Then, um, then later with my stepmother because my mother passed away. Oh. Uh, with my stepmother, they they served a mission in Hungary. Mm. They were the first missionaries to Hungary. Wow. And then my uh, then they went to uh, uh, Germany, and then they served as well in a, a mission on Temple Square after that. Wow. You, and, and at that point, you just couldn't imagine being anything but, but Mormon, right? Oh, no. I was very, saying. very um, enthused, excited yeah. about it. Yeah. I, I loved uh, wanting to be good. I sure. wanted to be good. Sure. And seminary? You took seminary, did you? And yes, I took yeah. seminary. Um, seminary was an interesting experience for me because the first couple of years were good. Uh, then I got, I ended up with a year where the guy was so boring and he would, our, our lessons that were taught were really kind of on a, about a six-year-old level. Oh. And here I was. Pretty basic. Huh? Yeah, here yeah. I was a sophomore in high school and, and uh, that one got hard enough for me that uh, I, I did another year after that, but it was, I was yeah. kind of disenfranchised a little okay. bit with it. We won't mention any names probably no. here, but but you end up serving a mission. Oh, yes. Where did you go? 
I was in France. I was in the Paris-France mission. Oh, so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so France was uh, interesting. I served uh, in 1978. It's a famous date in LDS history. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I was. Uh, I had been called in uh, in March of that year, and in May was then sent. You know, because you spend two months in the MTC, right. and then I spent. Uh, or then when I got to France, I was there one week. And uh, we were out just traveling around, and, and one of the, the branch members that was there saw us, and there he's all excited, and he said, Elders, elders, the blacks have received the priesthood. And we said, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, good joke, really. Yeah. Oh, no, no, we believe you, sure. A April Fool's or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, April is a little late there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we didn't believe him. We got home, and there was a message for us, the mission president saying, the blacks have received the priesthood, revelation to the prophet Spencer W. Kimball. Wow. And uh, Now, how were you treating the blacks before that? Oh, that was interesting, because what we were told, we were told that, uh, that we had to be careful because we didn't want to, to make them feel bad. So if we knocked on a door and a black person answered the door, uh, then our our response was to be that they should attend the church of their choice and not tell them what church we were from, even though it's printed on our badge. <laughs> not like they can't read it. But just just not talk about the church, right? I guess. Right, and just kind of let them go to the church of their choice, and oh. and uh, that kind of felt wrong to me. There was something about that that I just kind of struggled over. And then the announcement came, and it actually took the president a little while to kind of ferret out what we were supposed to do. And then he said, okay, do it, go for it. And so then we started teaching uh, the, the, the black people in France. And there are a I number. I loved the black people. We found out that they were such incredible, incredible, humble, yeah. beautiful people. They wow. were beautiful. Wow. And uh, so much so that, I mean, I was just enraptured with them. When we knocked on a door, if it was a white French person, we pretty much wrote it off. And we'd say, well, next door, yeah, no, we know what we're going to get. Salon de Mantraspas. You know, I'm not interested. <laughs> and uh, so then we'd go to the next door. If they were black and we knocked on the door, we knew we were in wow. like that because they were so hungry for Christ. Wow. And so because of that, that, that actually caused an explosion in my mission. A lot and of converts then, huh? Our baptisms doubled. Wow. And in fact, interestingly, at the time when I, when that, right just after that came, that message came and we, we started teaching them, um, I, I moved into a new city and the, the branch president there said, elders, you know, I think that we should probably shut down the branch. We only have 15 members. We used to have 50. And it, you know what? The gospel just doesn't flourish here. We should shut it down. <laughs> and so that was a little bit disheartening to us. Yeah. I happened to be with a companion who was very, very enthused. And I, I think that God works with us even in our misconceptions. Yeah. And so interestingly, it was also when we were starting to teach black people. Well, they hadn't had a baptism in two years in that city. Mm. And within three weeks we had our first baptism then the other companionship and then us and then the other every week for the next eight weeks started having baptism. we baptized over and over and over and over and who were they the black people wow and they were awesome i loved them wow 
I know I've asked this question of some other missionaries, but did you feel like you were preaching Jesus Christ or were you preaching the gospel of uh, the church? Were you ta talking mainly about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and the Restoration? You know, or was I, it about Jesus? I, I, I didn't think in that mindset to be able to, to really say then. If you were asking me then, I don't know that I could have separated that. Separated but it, but you know, no, I guess I would have. That's yeah. true, because as I, even then I remember thinking, well, okay, so we go in and the first discussion is the first vision. Yeah. And we start right there and we teach them about Joseph Smith and we, and we talk about uh, the, the glorious things that were restored because of Joseph Smith. Yeah. Notice the interesting thing there, and, and this was the thing that, that over time started to come to me, and it was very slow coming took a long time for me to come to this realization is that we weren't thanking God for the restoration of the gospel we were thanking Joseph Smith yeah wait a minute was it Joseph Smith that restored the gospel or was it God that restored the gospel that's interesting isn't it I hadn't it thought is. of that either <laughs> it is it's interesting because if you look at it it's it was Joseph so Smith built around that, that it's Joseph Smith that did it that does the restoration God God may have appeared to him but Joseph Smith restored it we're thankful to Joseph yeah. Smith for it that's so interesting. So you've certainly had a testimony of, of Joseph Smith and the Church, the Book of Mormon, and it was strong in your mind as you preached the gospel. And now I, as that's how I felt that I was. I yeah. thought I thought I was convinced of it. I will say this: that that because of experiences that I had early on, yeah, um, I went through some things in my childhood, uh, some abuse situation that when I said that I wanted to bring this out and I was going to tell my parents about it, what I was told was that if I did, then they would know and I was dirty what I was doing and they would be so ashamed of me. And so early on, I, I realized that bringing things out to light can be stopped with the use of shame. And so I, I, it you worked. It was very effective. I never said it. Things. I never told anyone about it until even just the last few years. Wow. No one knew. And that effect, that's affected your whole life, I, I guess. Hasn't yeah, it's it? been very impactful. Yeah. Wow. Um, How do you, uh, when you, after you got home from your mission, I, I know you had an interesting experience with yeah. an, another black sister. Yes. In fact, the first one that had ever been. She was, yes, her, her name is Mary Sterlickson. She was the first black sister missionary. Yeah. And uh, because I went out when I did, and being that there's a six-month difference between the, the, the length of a male missionary and a female missionary, yeah. and an elder and a sister, uh, then I, I got home before she did, even though they, they hadn't received the priesthood. Now, blacks, before they were given the priesthood, couldn't serve missions. I'd never thought of that because sisters didn't need the priesthood in the first place. No. But the black we didn't call black we they were not allowed. The LDS didn't call black sisters before 1978. No, could not do it. Never thought of that. Interesting. Yeah. So then, uh, so she goes out and comes back, and you're already so, home. That's right. Yeah. And so I, I came home and and uh, I heard about this Mary Sterlickson that there was going to be a fireside. I don't think I actually even knew. I just knew there was a fireside, and I went to it. And this this fireside, if, if people don't know what firesides are, that's a meeting for the for LDS youth yeah. and young adults. And this was a young adult fireside, 
uh, and she spoke. Well, it was jammed. It was so jammed. There were, uh, you, the overflow was filled to capacity. Wow. Uh, there were so many people there. After it was over, and she was stirring. I mean, her message was thoroughly inspiring. It was an, she has an amazing story. <laughs> and so I, I heard the message afterwards. I, I waited for an hour to get up through the line to just to shake her hand. Yeah. So I got up uh, to the end and, and I shook her hand and I, I told her, I said, by the way, I, I served in the France-Paris mission, the Paris-France mission, and uh, learned to absolutely love the black people. And as soon as I said that, she reached out and she grabbed my hand and she said, would you call me? Wow. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. And so she wrote her, her phone number down really quickly, and I later on called her. And at the time, I was trying to fellowship uh, a young couple that I wanted to try to help into the church. Yeah, doing your missionary work. Doing my missionary work. Good for you. And so I, <laughs> I, I called her up, and I said, Mary, what if we went on a, quote, date, and we will, um, you know, we'll, we'll fellowship these people. They won't even know it. Yeah. And they'll get to meet you. Yeah. Because she is amazing. She is an amazing person. Well, we did that. We went skiing. And she's from Chattanooga, Tennessee, so she'd never seen snow. <laughs> so we got out there. She was terrified. She's, she is not a person that's afraid of anything. Yeah. I mean, she took on things. <laughs> her story is like, hair, raise the hair on the back of your neck stuff. And uh, so she, uh, but she was afraid of, of that snow. We finally got her to come down the hill once. And and that was about it. But that captured my heart. And started we started dating. dating yeah. And my parents loved Mary. They thought she was just the best. Just but not to Mary, maybe. When so they found out that we were, were dating, serious? then things changed. Yeah. And my dad pulled me aside one day and he said, Val, you realize that if you are to marry her, you will be cutting yourself off from the celestial kingdom even after the 1978 stuff. <laughs> right, because, and the reason is because by marrying interracially, you'll be going against what the prophet said, that we should not marry interracially. And he says, that will cut you off from the celestial kingdom. Well, they had me go down and spend time with general authorities. Wow. I spent time with Hartman Rector Jr., who I admired tremendously listening to him speak. I thought he was a fantastic speaker. And he was trying to talk you out of it, too? Oh, yeah. But... Even more than that, I was so delusioned. This is where part of my disillusionment came because I sat down with him wanting him to help me yeah. to just understand what my responsibility was and what I got from him was absolute indifference, kind of almost an arrogance that really kind of struck me. Wow. And I thought, here I am just wanting to know what the Lord wants me to do and you don't feel like this is worth your time. That's how it felt. Yeah. And so I struggled with that. Well, so I, in fact, I, I finally did break it off because I, with all of the influence and everything, I was really confused about everything. And so I broke off that relationship, almost committed suicide over it. Oh dear, uh, that is sad, isn't it? Came very close and I just thought, you know, I just need to keep going and eventually my heart healed yeah. and I, you just wonder where God's love is yeah. in the all Yeah, that, I felt like, it? wait a minute. Because especially when, my, when I felt that God's love emanates from the church, it comes from the leaders. Yeah. It doesn't come from up there. It's right. not like God gives it to us. It's that leaders give us His love. Right. 
and that's that was the the mindset that I had. Wow. And so that that started some interesting things. Well, later on. So you do end up marrying. Yes, I've been married twenty eight years or so. Twenty eight years. Yes, I married met a wonderful wo woman. Oh, good. Oh, and she, in fact, we had experiences that that confirmed for both of us that to this date, we know that God wanted us to marry, oh. which is really interesting in light of the things that follow. Yeah. Because uh, here. Here we both knew it without any equivocation. That you Even now, I can't be deny together, it. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I can't deny it. God wanted me to marry her. Wow. So and talk a little bit about your transition. What what kinds of things started bothering you? I know there well, was something that happened at the Rice-Eccles Stadium. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, uh, let me back up just oh, okay. a little bit with what happened when I was at BYU. While I was attending the Y, I had the experience of, uh, I was very freedom-oriented. My father taught me love of God and country, and helped me to see that there were things going on in the world, in our country, that weren't for the best good of the country. And so he, he taught me to watch a lot of those things, uh, paid attention a lot to Ezra Taft Benson's writings and his speeches. We started a group at BYU where we, just, we were just listening to President Benson's speeches. Mm. And uh, that started getting pressure from what I saw was a, sh a shift in the, the way BYU was running. And I, s I watched it becoming more and more liberal. I watched them bringing in people like Andrew Young, who Jimmy Carter ended up kicking out as an, as, an admin uh, as an ambassador because right. he, was, he was doing such squirrely stuff that even he got rid of him. <laughs> And uh, so I watched all of that taking place, and I was really disillusioned so with that. So changes in the well, BYU and in the church, too, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, and I started feeling this, just this watered down, like I, there was no message in it. At the same time that was happening, uh, I, I had a little Chevy Love truck. It was a yellow truck. It was more rust than it was yellow. <laughs> Student, you know, struggling, and, and it had the old dial where you couldn't tell exactly what station you're on. You just know that there's a little red thing that goes back and forth and you hope you're close to what you want to be on. Yeah, I'm seeing those. And I, I was just kind of traveling through the stations, tired of the drivel, and I ended up on this station and it was powerful. I mean, the message was stunning. And I'm listening and I thought, wow, this is amazing. What, what, what was the message? It, it was a, a message about Christ. Oh, boy. And it was a message that t spoke freedom clear through me. Not specifically freedom in the sense that it wasn't, it wasn't about politics, it wasn't, but it was about freedom in its true sense. Freedom in Christ or something? It was about freedom in Christ. Yeah. And suddenly I realized, you know what, this isn't an LDS station. Oh man, I'll tell you what, my hand was there right quick. I hurried and changed I the station. I can't be listening to this. No, they don't have the truth. Yeah. We have the truth. You know, it's, it's no, they don't, they don't have it. So I, I hurried and changed the station. Well, that, that happened that day, and the next day I'm traveling and, and, again, going through stations. I didn't know what station I was on. I ended up on the same station without knowing it. Same message? No, different message. Oh. Totally different speaker. I didn't even know who it was. I didn't know who either of them were. <laughs> and here was a totally different message, equally powerful. I and I thought, th this is just, wow, this has happened twice in a row. It scared me. I changed the station again. Of course. <laughs> Would you believe it happened the third day? Oh my goodness. The third day it happened exactly the same way. I ended up on, on, the, on the station, and the third time still not even knowing it was on the same station. 
and a third time, third speaker, different person, third time, again, fantastic message. And all of a sudden, I felt something that I had never felt before. Val, if they've got something to say, maybe you ought to listen. Well, maybe I'm being Maybe I should stop and listen, listen to this. To this. Yeah. And so I left it on. Wow. And when I did, you'd never heard these messages. I heard before. a message about Christ that I never knew. Wow. I never understood that that Christ was was God of the universe. He wasn't just my elder brother. He wasn't the brother of Satan. No. He was God no. eternal. He was the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. He was from beginning to end, and and all of a sudden it was, it was just a, a totally new thing for me. And I've been learning ever since. And I, even even as of just the last couple of years, have been finding things. Had someone that le led me through um, passages in Isaiah forty three, forty four, and forty five, yeah. where God God says, uh, "I am God, and beside me there, there is, is no other. There is no other Savior. There is no other yeah. Savior. Yeah. I know no other." Yeah. Well, here Joseph Smith was saying that Jesus was doing the things that he knew his father had done on other planets some time ago. Wow. No, wait a minute. Yeah. And yet now I'm, in fact, even just recently, I went through and realized that in the Book of Mormon, the Book of Mormon teaches that there is one God. Yeah. Alma 11. Alma 11, Mosiah. I, 15. I, I wrote <laughs> down several of them. Mosiah 5.15. Mosiah yeah. seven twenty seven, Mosiah fifteen one through four, Deuteronomy eighteen twenty, Timothy. Uh, all of these are dealing with the same thing. Yeah, look those and up, LDS. Yeah, people. they are really it's, important it's because the realization is that uh, that God is God forever. He is never changing. Yeah. He, well, it, you know yeah. what? We've only got about five minutes okay. left, and I know you want to share. I'd I'd like you to share your story about the the month that you. Uh, you and your wife had a discussion and stuff. Okay. It, would that be okay? It would be. All right. Um, there, there came a point, my wife and I went on... Um, because she's still very active LDS. She is very, very active. And you know what? I will say this. My wife is a wonderful... She is an incredible person. Uh -huh. I love her to death. I love uh, all of my family. And Everybody treating, in my family and you're treating is, her well, is LDS, and yes, and yeah. she treats me very well. But you went through a little uh, separation. We, yeah, we had a little d uh, difficulty because she went out of her way to to have us go to a, a retreat, and it was an LDS retreat at Aspen Grove. And so when we're up there, the the instructor made some rather insensitive remarks about uh, the Christian world, and that, that they don't have a clue and. Kind of upset me, Gave and so we ended up. to talk about. Huh? We had a we had a rather strong discussion afterwards. She and I did, and the the result of that discussion, I don't think, was accidental. Yeah. I think that God led us through that because the result was I ended up leave, having to leave. I left home for a month and I spent a a month in the basement of my friend best friend's home. And you're studying and praying at oh, this point and trying to nonstop figure things out for. For about 14 to 16 hours a day, I was yeah. immersed in the Word, immersed in writing and reading and getting my thoughts out and talking to God and saying, God, help us. Yeah. We're in trouble. So what happened? And so I, I was at my wit's end. My wife was too. We were really struggling. Uh, but while all of that happened, I was a, 
I, uh, one day, all of a sudden, three minutes, all of a sudden, I had this come through me. I had just gotten the movie Amazing Grace, and he helped me to see that Amazing Grace was my story too. Wow. That I was the sinner, just like just like Jonathan Newton was a sinner, John, John yeah. Newton was, right. and I was, and that he had ransomed me. It was him that had done it. Christ. And that I needed to give that to him, and I did. And at that point, I had an experience with him that was phenomenal. I went running out. I couldn't contain myself. They live on the brow of, um, of the hill that's, that's part of the Jordan Arrows. And I went down into the golf course and ran around the golf course, grabbing golf balls and chucking them in the air as high as I could chuck them and, and yelling and, and, and singing Amazing Grace. And I must have looked like I was totally nuts. And at one point, he led me up to the pond and, and he said, okay, you've been baptized in the Mormon church. You've been baptized in a Baptist church. Now I'm going to do it. And I did. I said, okay, God, that looks pretty cold. And it's pretty muddy too. You really want me to do this? And he said, yeah. So I took off, I took off my coat and I, and I jumped into the water up to my waist. I waded out into it and I went down. And I came up, I mean, I had stuff in my hair and I, I looked a mess. And I came out of there singing. Amazing. And I never felt so clean. Wow. And I, that was God. That was God cleaning me. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think that we have that personal relationship with God? No, no religion between us and yeah. God. It's no, there's no, there was no person. Yeah. There's no priesthood. Yeah. His, there is priesthood. Melchizedek priesthood. He is the one that holds it. Yeah. He's the only one that holds it. He is our high priest. He is our high priest. And there's only one. Oh, oh Val, that's, that's wonderful. And you, we, you went back, you reconciled with your wife, and she I said did. that she could tell that there was a difference. Oh, she said she'd never seen me like that. Yeah. And she's watched me since then. She said, Val, if you can just be like that, I think I could follow you. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I've got a ways to go. Well, but I know that God reached me that day, and he, there's a transformation. Well, I know we're both learning. I yeah. talked a little bit about the cross, and we're actually almost out of time in order to cover that. But the cross means so much more now, doesn't it? I never understood the cross. I was yeah. afraid of it. When I was a child, I got a little brochure someone handed me at, a, at uh, an event somewhere, and I, I came home with it. I was scared to death of it because yeah. it was the cross. That's that evil thing. Well, you know what? The, Christ, the cross, if we do not have the cross... Yeah. We don't have anything. Yeah, look it up, folks. <laughs> don't take what we're saying. Look it up in the Bible. We appreciate you watching. Good night. See you next week. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music